Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Oh, welcome back to the Spiro Avenue Show. You know, I am so excited whenever Tony Paul's here. You have a two-appearance lead over Chris Castellani now. I don't think he was almost here. He was trying to move some things around. It didn't work out. So he could have stayed within one. You have a two game lead now. It's similar to the what the twins over the Tigers and the pitiful AL Central. That's why I'm here. I just wanted to pad pad things. You're just pad the, pad the stats. Mm-hmm. You are a, a Spiro Avenue guest monster. And whenever I have one of those little posits to the crowd of like, who do you want to see in the chair? You're always mentioned multiple times. And it, I, it doesn't matter if I explain to these people like the guy's literally been our most frequent guest you get recommended over people that have not appeared that are pretty prominent in the media. So a reflection of your talents and your uh, the affection that people have for you. That's probably just because I'm not afraid to say stupid shit. Well, I think our episodes are riveting, and hopefully <laughs> this one uh, meets that bill. So the Detroit Tigers, 2023. They're a little bit ahead of where I would have guessed their record would be at this exact moment in time. But I did say going into, on this show, going into May, the schedule sucks. They're playing a bunch of softies. Here it comes almost every single year in this treacherous decade that we're nearing. There's always been that one fraudulent month. I think even the, uh, was it the 2017 team that was so bad or 18 had, had a run where they were like eight and two or something. We've always seen this. Where are you at with them? I mean, they're technically, as we sit right now, two games out of first place, they're Hovered around 500 just below, chasing Minnesota. They've been playing better, I guess. What do you make of this? Is, am I more on the right track that this is all they're playing a bunch of uh, pansies this past month and reality check coming? Where are you at with that? No, I mean, well, I mean, they took a series from Houston. They took a series from the Mets. Uh, you know, they've beaten some pretty good teams. Yeah, they've played pretty well against non AL East teams. I think that's what it breaks down to. Um, I'm in a at least they're interesting mode, which is what, uh, you know, I think when we talked in February or whenever it was that just be interesting, keep people engaged, keep the fan, because you're at risk. This team is at risk of losing a generation of fans like the team in the nineties did. They lost a whole generation of fans. It took uh, the 2006 team to kind of bring them back, but these tigers were at a risk of doing that. And so just be interesting. And that's what they are. They're interesting. They got some players that you can get behind. You can, you know, Riley green's development, obviously injured now, which is disappointing for them, but his development's been, I think on track with what we might've expected. Spencer Torkelson's probably a little bit behind, but certainly looks worlds better than he did last year. Competitive at bats. Um, You, you get the feeling that he's going to be somewhat of a force in that lineup. And, you know, you look at, you know, you got some bullpen pieces that are, they're decent and you know i mean they got some guys that you can you know be interested in and i think that's really all you can hope for i don't think they're a contender um i i listened to sports talk radio about how the other game out of first or two they are a couple games out of first they're also you know way in the negative in run differential which is a real big indicator of you know an analytic indicator of of where you stand and how good you really are and if you're playing above your head and they're way they're still weighed down in that they're 10 and four, I think, in one run games, you know, that could, those could go either way. They're six and two in extra inning games. Those could go. E- I mean, they're living on the edge. Their margin for error is razor thin. Um, those games could have gone the other way and we'd be sitting here just 
talking about another abysmal season, but because they're in a terrible division and they've happened to win those games, a lot of that's because their bullpen's been good. A lot of it's because A.J. Hinch, I think, has managed his ass off this year um, in a lot of ways with what he has to work with. They're interesting. I don't think they're a contender. And I think it might end up working out that they, the Erod injury, and I'm sure you'll get to that, I, that might end up working out in their favor for the future. So uh, they're interesting. That's oh, what I have to say. I'm curious where you're going with that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just do that right now. Why would the Erod injury be good? Well, if it's a long-term injury, he's more likely to not opt out of his contract. I think that's 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 a that is reality. That's where we're at now. No, but we're here's, hoping our guys get hurt. But here's so the thing. I, no, no one was hoping he'd get hurt. No, that's not <laughs> what I said. That, here, I, fair, see, fair. I don't know why I keep coming back here when you keep putting words in my that, mouth. That, that, that's that not what fair. I said. That was fair. You're right. That's not I, what I, I said. Because I here's because a healthy Erod. Here are your two choices right now. If you you have a healthy Erod at this moment, you trade him. You don't get the return that you th- want to get because he's a rental player essentially, or you keep him and he probably opts out. Those are the two things they're facing. Neither situation is good. The only situation that would have been good for them is if you somehow get Erod to sign an extension before the deadline, and then you have that to play with. Then he's locked in, and he's worth more trade value-wise, or you can keep him. He's worth more for the future because he's injured. And now they're not hoping for that. Of course, Tiger fans and would obviously like him to be healthy and see if they could win this putrid division. But now that he is injured, and it could take some people say six weeks, maybe even longer, pushing right up against that deadline. You know, if he stays, you know his his value in the open market goes down. So there's a chance that he stays. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you root for him to get injured, but the two situations they were facing with a healthy Erod, neither one of them were good. Yeah, that's fair, and I, I mischaracterized that. That not Very on much. Pur- not on purpose. <laughs> I, I took it back and apologized. But I do believe you said that it, it might be a good thing or end up working out or something. Which Correct. is, you're only a stone throw away no. from saying it's, you know, no. a lot of it to happen. Not true. You, if something's good, you, I, in theory, want something good to happen. But neither here nor there, you're right. Misquoted. My yeah. bad. Yeah. But. They were in a bind. I, they were in a bind if, he, if he's healthy at the deadline. It's you, a real bind. There's no bind. You trade his ass. Here's but the, here's the caveat. I'm not going to get much for him. Well, he, but I was just going to say, here's the caveat. Whenever you have these discussions as a fan, sports radio, it, Columnist, reporter, doesn't doesn't matter. We don't know what these discussions are like. So we know, oh, you could have gotten more. The only time I really despised a trade, like to an immediate intense degree in the last five, six years was the J.D. Martinez trade because it was two weeks before the deadline. Like, if you're going to get nothing, wait two weeks to get nothing. Like, there was no, where was the fire to make that trade? So that's granted. I would be surprised if you can't get something for him. He's an established arm pitching above his head, but even if he falls back, he's an established like middle of the rotation, solid guy has been on winning teams, a world series team, et cetera. So I just disagree a little bit that they wouldn't get much for him. I guess we'd have to define what much is. Yeah, well, a, a top 100 that you're, prospect. You're, yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, I honestly just think that it's the game's changed, you know, back in, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you used to be able to send a big time player, a player much bigger stature of, of Rodriguez and, and get a, you know, a world in return for him, even if he was only going to be on that team for a couple months. It's not that way anymore. General managers aren't willing to do that. So, yeah, you might get a top 100 guy or, you, might, you know, or you might not. And so I just think that there were no good options there. I just don't think you get much for him, and I don't think you get much if you keep him, obviously, because he walks away. Not saying you root for an injury. But this could possibly end up working out in their favor. I see what you're saying. It could backdoor into, I guess, silver line. Because, because if you're the Tigers, you would love to have 
a guy like him in the rotation for the next four years. I think he's not, a, he's not a one, a guy, but he's certainly a guy who's, uh, you know, two uh, high three and he's, he's a solid force in the rotation. So if you're them and you're going to take that next step, you have that piece in place. I mean, I think you'd love to have him. If he does not opt out, he has to stay those three years. Those right? are those are locked in. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no like second because sometimes they have like the right. stagger. As far as I know, it's a one to opt out. Same with Baez. Yeah. I who agree. by the way won't be opting out. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that guy. <laughs> I, you know, I like the Tiger. I've been wrong about plenty of stuff in sports in You're this right town. About that. Uh, everything with the Tigers, like uh, my Tigers takes, are just unbelievably accurate. And then look, I, I make up for it with some whiffs in other areas. My tiger takes it. I've had this shit dialed in for like seven years now. I, I don't know what I've said that's been wrong. Going back to Nolan Gorman should have been 1-1 one, one over Casey Mize. We'll get to him later too. Ben, throw my little Erod AWOL Rod tweet up there. So this is right after he had another dazzling performance. I believe it was like eight shutout innings at home. Another incredible performance from AWOL Rod. Trade him before the clubhouse showers are turned on for two reasons. One, I was worried about the inevitable regression statistically. Two, sure. what I would consider with the state of Detroit sports, the inevitable injury, which did occur. And there's the follow-up from Cody from The Athletic, who refuses to appear on this show. Eduardo Rodriguez is going on the IL. Sure enough, this is less than a month after I was begging them to trade him. Shades of the Matthew Boyd, except injury instead of just being terrible. The, the interesting thing with him, this Erod thing is the estimate of the severity of the injury. I don't know what your take is on this. Did you see the David Chow thing? I, I did not look into this uh, very much. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's I, like a week or a month. So I've heard, I, well, I, I mean, a few of the beat writers I saw said six weeks. So. I, I've seen that too. It's like, it could be most. Here's, yeah. the, here's the reality. I think he's going to be out a while. And I, I, I don't think he's coming back in 10 days. Are you familiar with David Chow? The doctor, he was the longtime physician for the Chargers. I think he now works for Outkick, the Clay Travis thing. You're probably the uh, Clay yeah. Travis guy. Yeah. If, if you seem if like he, an Outkick. If he's on Outkick, I probably haven't seen if, him. If Clay Travis <laughs> saw your t shirt, he'd have some problems. I mean, yeah. I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you did not get that from the Outkick store. I did not, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I did not. <laughs> so you did not get that shirt from, from Clay Travis. Okay, so uh, Ben, throw the David Chow clip up there. This is a uh, physician, longtime for the Chargers. He's always commenting on sports injuries and has got an incredible track record of nailing things from afar. David Chow. It's not a Tommy John, okay? It's not an ulnar collateral, but it's the index finger pitching hand. It's a rupture of one of the important pulleys that will affect his grip. This is a big deal. I mean, okay, he can physically throw a pitch, but if his grip isn't right, where's the control? Uh, and he's not an overpowering pitcher. It's about control and precision. And so can he even get the job done, even if he were put out there? So. Suffice it to say, this is something for Tigers fans to watch very closely. A big deal, in our opinion. I mean, this it sounds like the trade thing is pretty much closed because even if he does make it back a couple weeks before, you're going to have the rehab start thing, and like the the clock's going to run out on this. I would argue between that injury and even if he had just stayed healthy and sort of regressed to the mean. Zach McKinstry is like an 860 OPS. He's 400 a, on base percentage. He's been awesome, but he's like he's a career Central nothing. Central Michigan. 
Chippewa. He, 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 yeah, I forgot he went to Central. That's why Chris is always bumping his gums about that guy. But he's, he's like, what is he, like 28 years old with a 680 career OPS? Like, he's nothing. He's not going to be doing that shit. No, he's not going to have a 400 OPS or OBP. No, it, no. If he, if he, like, from today on has a 730 OPS, I'd honestly be, be really thrilled. surprised. You'd be thrilled. Like, I'd be really surprised. So he's going to fall off. Erod's gone. Riley Green. Ward knows. I think he's got that the, could that could last a while as well. I think he's got the Kate Cunningham thing, like the stress fracture. I wonder if he needs to eat some more meat too. I don't know what's going on, but the the argument is you have the McKintry, Green and and uh, Erod are gone now. You mentioned the extra innings record six and two. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the one run ten, 10 and, and four, four or whatever yeah. it is. You mentioned the run differential. Mm-hmm. Couldn't I argue, and I will, that. This season is going to cave in on itself. This team will end up 20 games or more under. This is going to be a complete disaster. And this is just going to be another one of those years where the team was terrible, 90-plus losses, but there was like a three-week span where everyone talked themselves into having some fun. That's where I think this is headed. And if that does happen, which I think it's mathematically the most likely outcome, not a far-fetched thing, I think it's the most likely outcome, where are we? Like you said – I'm so happy to be, you know, it's good to see them competitive and interesting. If they're 72 and 90 or worse, who gives a shit? I've already seen that in the past misery seven years. So where where are you at on that? I mean, am I crazy? No, it's a very legitimate possibility. Again, I think that their margin for error with healthy roster was razor thin. I mean, the numbers, all the numbers bear that out. Um, So it's a very good chance things cave in on you. You are protected a little bit by the fact it is a god-awful central division like i mean here's the thing when the tigers were rolling in that period it was a good central division like you know at different points the white Sox were really good and the tigers or the indians and the tigers or the royals even it was it, if you go back if you go back it was never one of the best two divisions at any point oh i disagree i think there were a couple of years where it was no if you go back and look if you go back and look at those at a few of those years where the white Sox and tigers were battling down the stretch or oh, the or the indians yeah. and they were yeah. no oh, 90 wins plus the worst division no i'm never one of the was, two best divisions in that run i disagree i think you go back and look but regardless yeah, yeah. regardless of that um, it's a god awful division, and so there's your only little sliver of hope. Do they have enough on the roster? I don't think they did when they were healthy. Uh, I think that it was going to regress. You know, I think it was would be a natural regression, uh, and certainly now with these injuries, um, you know, and Matt Verling, don't forget Matt Verling, uh, with these injuries, <laughs> says says nobody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, I think that's very likely to happen. But again, I think you still see some pieces that project toward being part of your future which I don't think you saw at all or very little, little the last five, seven years. I just feel like this, that's, that's, and again, it's Scott Harris's first year to evaluate this stuff. And you're going to see it. You're going to see a very different roster next year. Oh, you think they're doing massive overhauls? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like like the stopgap shit. Cause Avila had massive overhauls, but it was Tyson Ross and Matt Moore on one year flyer deals. Like, is that the kind of shit you're talking about? Are you talking about real moves? No, I'm not talking about that. I think you'll see better moves from Scott Harris. Like, how about free agent activity? Is that is that? Yeah, they're, they're going to spend. They're going to spend money. I mean, I think that I think that that's going to be the case. But they also they can't spend money on everything. It's going to be you're going to have to get some of these pieces from within, and you're going to have to finally start seeing something from this farm system. I think you're, you've seen it from Riley Green. I think you. I still believe in Torkelson. Um, and some of these young arms that you're seeing in the bullpen, I think are are promising. You know, I I'd, I'd like to wait to answer that question of what the offseason looks like until you 
know anything about Casey Mize until you see anything from Tariq Skubal until you see Matt Manning pitch again. I mean, you look at it. I mean, you know, Mize, Turnbull, Skubal, um, Manning. I mean, these were your guys, you know, and they're all hurt. They've all spent massive time on the IL. So, I, I mean, I'd like to see some of that before you make full decisions. But I think you're going to see some significant moves. I mean, when Cabrera's $32 million comes off the book, books at the end of the season or sooner <laughs> uh, um, you know they're going to have they're going to have the money to play with they're, they don't even have to spend 200 million dollars to spend a lot of money I mean they're going to have so much money available on, off the books that they can spend 100 million easily this offseason if they wanted to and I think they could I'm just I'm already dreading the oh Chris Illich is spending big and they're just spending back up to like replenishing the Cabrera salary mark and and they come in at like 18th or 19th. I think again. they'll, I think they'll, I don't, you're never going to see them again. We've talked about this over and over. You're never going to see them spend $200 million. I didn't again. ask that. <laughs> but I think you will see them spend, you know, you'll, you'll get up to the $115, $120 million payroll. And I think that that's where they're going to be comfortable with. And that's a lot of money to be able to spend this off season if yeah. they want to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we're definitely going to have you back like end of the year, kind of hot stove. We can episode. go over the free agent. I haven't looked yeah. at it other than Otani. <laughs> Do you imagine? Hey, I mean, that would shut hey, us up for a it long would get, time. It would, fill, it would fill two needs, right? <laughs> I would shut the hell up for like at least a couple of weeks. That, uh, this Chris Illich that would be unbelievable. So you, let's, let's, let's pivot to Torkelson. It's been a better couple of weeks, but I, overall big picture, Sorry, but you take a first baseman. I don't care that they call them as a third baseman. You take a first baseman one one for the first time in 20 years. You need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. Ben, can you throw up the Torkelson stat graphic with where we're at with him? So, I mean, obviously, this does not capture the fact that his past two weeks at OPS jumps up. I think it's like 770, 780. Not world beating, but he has been better. But if I'm taking a first baseman first overall, and I'm not criticizing the pick, that was the the right move at the time, and that was the consensus number one pick. But I I, I got to see more than this. The guy's what 24? I mean, he's not 21. This is this guy has not been what he needs to be. And even if you say, oh, he's really turned it on, if he's a 780 OPS guy, that's not what he's supposed to be either. I can sign that for six million dollars in free agency. There's a hundred of those guys every year. So where are you at with him? Because I, I don't think he's a 682 guy, but even if he's a 790 guy, that's kind of a train wreck for a first baseman that you use that draft cap on, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's not where you'd hoped he'd be. Um, I think, and to not make excuses at all, because when you're a number one pick, you're, a lot is expected of you. You're paid well in the signing bonus, but um, you do lose a full season of minor league baseball from COVID. And I think that that was a big deal there i think you know it was right at the start of his development uh even riley green's development you put those numbers up um they're not good but you 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 know multiply them out it's 72 to 80 rbis in his second season after an abysmal first season i think there's progress there the the hard hit rates up the aggressiveness at the plate is up um you know last year he took more pitches you know down the middle for strike one than i've ever seen he's more aggressive at the plate He's walking more. His OP, you know, his OBP is eighty points higher than that batting average. That's a good sign. There are little things to like, but yeah, when you take a first baseman, you expect more. And uh, I look at it though compared we, when we Evan and I were here, and Evan was pretty down on him, and I was, you know, Evan was ready to write him off if he had a bad year this year. I just wanted to see progress this year, and I think you're seeing that to some degree. 
yeah, he's got to do better than that. But I think you're seeing signs of progress. So you feel like if you had to gun to your head, say he's at least going to be Paul Konerko, which I, I that would be great. Since, oh, I would take it. <laughs> that would be great. I, I, I said Konerko is the line of like, if he's Konerko, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. If he's anything above that, that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. Konerko for the you know, uninformed off the top of my head, having not looked it up. I mean, he seemed like a consistent 840 OPS guy at his yeah, prime. Like probably he, he jumped up in his very best years, but he was kind of like that mid 800s. Mm-hmm. If Trokelson's like an 850 OPS guy, 30 bombs a year, getting on base around 350, 360, like that's solid. That's pretty good. It's not unbelievable. Like Adrian Gonzalez, another first baseman, one one had a five six year run in the nine. So it's not quite to that peak, but like that's sort of the not basement, but that's like what I would take. Where I'm like, okay. Solid pick. I don't think he's going to be Paul Kodurko. That's a that's asking him to make a lot of progress. You talk about the year off. Kellenic younger had a year off. Julio Rodriguez, I think, is like two years younger had a year off. Nolan Gorman, my boy in St. Louis, is like two years younger had a year off. They're killing it. They're- yeah, and, and for and and for you know every one of those guys, how many guys are you know we're slowed down by that? I mean, I think if you go back and look, and I've talked to people throughout the game not just with the tigers but a lot of prospects were slowed down by that year yeah there's going to be exceptions to every rule but and i'm not blaming it all on that again i'm taking a pick i'm taking a snapshot from where he was last year the beginning middle and end it was all brutal it's not all brutal right now and anyone who's watched him day in and day out you can see signs of progress there maybe it's not happening as quick as you'd like yeah 600 and you know in the 600 ops is not going to cut it long term but you've still got time to figure this out and you're seeing progress. So when will he take that next step? Right. I'm willing to give him that time to take that next step. They hit, Tigers have the time to give him that next step. So I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to be more patient. You know, me and Evan disagree on that. Evan was ready to cut him this spring, it seems like. What choice do you have? He's well, he's a, well, he's number one pick who had one, yeah. you know, interrupted season in the majors because he was so bad. I mean, I just, I'm not willing to just write off a number one pick that quickly because I don't think everyone develops at the same pace. We've gone over that before. Um, I've seen progress. And yeah. so, yeah, you want to see more. So when will he take that next step? I mean, the progress is. Let's like, see where his numbers are in August and, you know, in September. I think that's fair. I mean, he, I, I think he, his numbers are, uh, it's not even just the numbers. If you watch him, he's a more capable major league hitter. The at-bats are more competitive. They're way more yeah, competitive. Just eyeball yeah, I mean, he I just, he's, he's making strides. And yeah, you'd like him to make, be quicker. You know, he's a 1-1 and you certainly want that guy to be a superstar from the beginning. It doesn't always work out that way. No, well, with this team, it never works out with the position prospects. I mean, Riley Green might be the first one they've actually developed in 35 years. I mean, I who, talked, who would the last one be? I mean, Granderson was a B plus player, Granderson very, very good. Right. I've, I've talked about this on Twitter and on the show. The last, and I like, I, I How, where would you put Castellanos? Like, I mean, like a letter grade. He's, yeah, a, like, he's a B. He was an all right guy, he, you know. He's a B. Yeah. I mean, Travis Fryman. That, that's what. That's the name where I have to go back to like a legitimate, you know. They haven't, but fuck that. I'm talking, I want like a blockbuster, man. Okay. I, I want like a real guy. I want a guy that, uh, here, here's how I've always framed it. Trammell, Whitaker, and Gibson. Trammell won MVP, and that's where I was going with this. The American League MVP, the last Detroit Tigers drafted and developed oh, position players. Let me think about this. Oh, to, no, I didn't, I didn't. You didn't even let me finish oh, the yeah, frame. Go ahead. That finished in the top nine was the cutoff so in Granderson American League MVP voting. Somebody <laughs> so finished 10th. So Granderson must have been 10th. <laughs> it was actually Avila. 
2009, yeah. probably. Right? Yeah, yeah. He had his he really was an good all-star year. year. He finished 10th. Yeah. Granderson had like 11th or 12th okay. one of those years. Who was the last guy to do it? It was Trammell. Second in 87. Right, yeah. when he was runner-up. When he they, should have been first. And, and, and when, what, One of the and, biggest crimes in MVP. And what year was MVP. he drafted? So yeah. it's not like he was drafted in 87. 77 or so, 8. So, yeah, it was late 70s. So they have not drafted a guy. That's incredible. That went on to a top nine finish. Top nine. Yeah. I didn't say win. That's not, I that didn't hard say, to, that's not even that hard to do. Sean Figgins was like fourth one year. He he was pretty good for a minute. <laughs> Kendris Morales was top five. Darren Erstad had the top six finish. I mean, this is... I'm not saying these players suck. They had good years, but that's the point. I'm not even saying draft a guy who's a perennial all-star or first ballot Hall of Famer. How do you not have, since 1977, yeah. one guy have one magical year? Mm. Even if it's a Brady Anderson, 50 home run, never seen anything like it again, fluke year, Darren Erstad hits 363 in 2000 year, whatever, however it manifests. How do you not have one guy have one magical four-month stretch to where they could be the ninth, not win it, not win it, not finish close, ninth. That's pretty incredible. And the one guy that had the top 10 finish, Avila, Leland drove him to the ground and his knees fell off. So it's not like we got some sustained run out of that guy. Underrated player, by the he way. He was a pretty good player, and he, he took a lot of shit because his dad was a general manager. And so the minute he had a slump, he took way too much shit. He would have bad at-bats, and then you'd look up, and his OVP is like 390. Well, that's it's the thing. Like, I remember, like, I remember talking to him in spring training one time because he was a very selective hitter i mean he wouldn't swing if the ball was a hair off the plate i remember one spring leland was frustrated with him and leland's like i wish he'd swing more pitches you know and so i went to talk to alex about that and alex is like well i'm not going to swing at balls yeah. <laughs> and i just was like what an idea it wasn't that that reminds me of like the david price thing about like the <laughs> yeah. i can't remember what was his quote the about david price one was he when he came to the Tigers, he was he tried that new philosophy he had that he had come up with that the writers were writing about, where he wanted to get he wanted to get a batter out in three pitches or less, no matter what, three pitches or less. That's it. But it came to the point where he got beat around a little bit because he was like going by that philosophy. So if he got two balls on a guy, it was like he was throwing way too many good hittable strikes. And I remember asking Osmus, "Do you think he throws too many strikes?" And Osmus is like, "Yeah." And David Price did not agree with my question premise, and w we didn't have any conversations after that. Yeah, it wasn't. Did he have some line about like, "What do you want me to do? Throw balls or something?" I can't yeah. remember. But he, yeah. did, he didn't like my premise. The, the whole, I wasn't saying you know, you know, throw more pitches right down the middle. My point was that he was nibbling too much almost. And then when it got to two balls, it was you know he used that three strike philosophy or three pitch philosophy. And it, I just was asking a question. You I didn't can't force these ratios like Mike Tice with the Randy ratio and the Vikings. Like we're gonna throw him the ball forty percent of the time. It's like right. you can't you can't do this shit. No, but yeah, I remember. I, I still remember we were in Dunedin when I asked Alex Avila that, and he's like, well, "What do you want me to do? Swing at balls?" <laughs> I'm like, "That's a fair point." Avila is <laughs> one of those where I'm like, man, I look back at his stats. I'm like, why did I fucking hate this guy so much? I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate him, but. He did have at bats that he would look really ugly up there, but and you you would want him to swing. But I'm sorry, like where can I side up for a catcher at his at his peak that has a near 400 OBP and he's batting the bottom third of my lineup? And by the way, like, I would pretty, cry by, for that. By the way, a pretty good defensive catcher too. So uh, yeah, he was a solid player. But he, I, I will, I will just argue that you know he was he took a lot of shit because when he would slump it. It turned the fans turned on him because of his dad. I think that's why he took a lot of shit. I think that's why a lot of people didn't like him. But button on this thing how do you go almost 50 years without drafting i don't know i don't know ninth just ninth yeah 
Like, can, can I get in single digit? How do you not have one guy have one magical run? Just one. Mm-hmm. I, it can be a fluke. Like, maybe, you know, Chris Shelton stays hot a little bit longer. I don't know. Well, the crazy thing is that they haven't even drafted a lot. They haven't even drafted guys who, like, they've traded and have gone on to be no. MVPs. Like, it's like they just haven't drafted these guys. It's, it's incredible. I, I just, I don't know how you, you know? don't stumble in the Which, and, and the crazy thing is that in the history of the Tigers, most people would argue that it's, a, it's the most of the stars in the franchise history have been hitters over pitchers. Yeah. And yet they've probably drafted more lights out pitchers. Yeah. You're going into the first like 70 years over the last 50. And then during their heyday, they all their, they had some of the best hitters in the game who were acquired via trades. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's depressing. Casey Mize. I want to get to that. Casey Mize. Look, the, the Casey Mize thing, I, another one of those where even though I openly in real time said, I like Nolan Gorman more as a prospect. I thought Mize had like, really solid third starter John Lieber of the Cubs early 2000s kind of vibe like he'll be good but not great I didn't see him as an ace I love Nolan Gorman even I said as the Nolan Gorman guy you gotta take Casey Mize like it's just yeah somebody the the college right Keith Law said at the time that his splitter was the best individual pitch of the last three drafts just the pitch itself I, begrudgingly, even I admitted you had to take him. By the time he's on the mound again, he's going to be either 27 or about to turn 27 years old. He's already kind of old for a quote-unquote prospect. We have very little in the way of innings from this guy. He's under 200 innings. Even if he salvages this a little bit, it's kind of a bust, right? I mean, it's getting to that point. It's, we're there. Yeah, it's getting to that point. Now, again, I'd like to see him come back and pitch and yeah, we'll see what he has, but yeah, when you start pushing the late twenties, you know, you it's tough to consider you a prospect. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not quite there yet because again, I just like to see him pitch again. You know, it's been so long since we've seen him pitch. I'd like to see him pitch before I say that, but he's getting dangerously close to that territory. And he wasn't missing a ton of bats anyway. It was a lot of pitch to contact, like like major league pitch. He had like, he had his days, but you're right. You're right. The strikeout ratio was no. I I don't I don't know a, that you ever saw him do what Alex Fajardo did two starts ago with the ten strikeouts and three hits or whatever. Not that I remember. And you know, and stunning that we saw it from Fajardo, but I don't think we saw that from Myers. You're right. I, I, but the splitter was better at Auburn. I you pulled the Auburn. Like, can I just get that guy back? And I, like that pitch does not. I mean, it was nasty, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, can we figure out what's going on with it? Like before he got hurt, like where did that go? I, I'm I'm like. I'm not burying him as being a functional major league pitcher, but again, you draft a guy one one. Like, how many of these guys are we going to say? Oh, it's a crapshoot. Like, can I can I get one star with mm-hmm. the first overall pick at some point? Yeah, I with mean, all these Tiger pitchers, you have to wonder what system the Tigers had in place as far as biomechanics, all that stuff. I mean, because all these guys went down uh, with some significant injury, and I'll be interested to see because Scott Harris has talked about that. Um, the the medicine and the, the all that stuff I don't I'm not smart I sucked at science in in college and high school I don't know anything about it but that's been a point of emphasis I'll be really interested to see where this thing goes in the future because there were way too many injuries to way too many top pitching prospects all at the same time that you had to wonder what was going on in the Tiger system who's the most cursed organization with pitching injuries by far It's not even close. Um, yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. First place in baseball. I mean, it's uh, to me objective. Shane Baz, Brent Honeywell, Chirinos, Glass now, multiple times. I, I mean, 
uh, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, Springs this year. It's just it's just one after another. They, they, these guys just fall down and die, and they're all really good. They have had the worst. Uh, Patino's had injuries in the minor leagues, and they just keep on rolling. That's like to the point where I, I agree. I'm not saying there's nothing there. I'm fascinated why like, I think four I, organizations are worse than everyone else. There was um, uh, the guy who used to run. Um, the United the United Shore Professional Baseball League, the minor league outfit out in Utica. They yeah. got the four teams out there. The guy who was their main player development guy, Justin Orndorff, who used, he was a first round pick by the Dodgers back in I can't remember when, and his career was cut short by injuries. So he's developed this system, pitching system. He, he's basically spent his adult life trying to figure out why injuries happen, um, and uh, with the way the arm motion and everything, you name it. And he developed this system where you can, and it's. I think it's DVS or yeah, DVS and you get a DVS score based on your mechanics and they slot you a score and there's a certain score where you're like projecting to be healthy long-term based on your biomechanics. And before these tiger pitchers started going down, he had told me, look at this, look at this, look at this. These are injuries waiting to happen. And it was just like within it, six months, boom, 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 one after another. And, and by the way, he has gone to major league teams and, you know, pitched this thing. And uh, and the US PBL, if you haven't gone, it's a fun thing, you know, take the kids to out in Utica. But uh, they have a history of pitchers not getting hurt in that league. Like they just don't get hurt. And they've signed like 47 guys to major league organizations in their eight years in existence. Like 95% of them have been pitchers. A few of them have now made the major leagues. But um, but it was just like, watch this, watch this, watch this. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. One tiger after another went down. So you wonder... And again, he's gone to major league teams, and I know that he explained this either back channel or not to some people with the Tigers last administration, and was not really taken very seriously. And then it was one right after another of look at all these injuries happening. I mean, so you I, wonder if there's something there that the Tigers' previous administrations not catching or didn't put enough emphasis into this, um, and you wonder. You know, we've heard Scott Harris talk about you know all the different things that are important in an organization. Is that certainly one of them? I mean, Jackson, jo- Jackson, Job yeah. joined the list, and yeah. that that was post Scott Harris hire. Right. I don't know, like the, the, and they're it, all back, in, and they're all back in arm injuries. Yes, and the, and he's shown me pictures. He would be a good guy to get on the show. By the I would, way, he's you very, think he'd be down. Yeah, he's, I would totally have that. He, guy. He's a, he's a consultant for the USPBL now, um, but he'd be a good guy to have on because he's shown me pictures of um, proper mechanics and 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 he's done this on Twitter. You can follow him on Twitter. But he showed me pictures and he'll draw a line like through. And again, I'm not smart enough to explain exactly what he's talking about, but he'll draw a line through a pitcher's windup. Like he'll take a still photo and draw a straight line. The basically, either the top one arm has to be lining up with the other arm and the back has to be straight. And, uh, and he was showing me pictures of the Tigers prospects and none of them were lining up. And he showed me a picture of Verlander and it was now Verlander's had injuries as he's gotten older, but Verlander was perfect mechanics, basically like Nolan Ryan, a freak. And, uh, and that's the mold. And, uh, you know, it's maybe it's coincidence, but one Tiger prospect after another has gone down with armor back injuries. I mean, if there is something to that, I, I have no idea. He called, like, he called a lot of them before they happened. Well, and one of the most famous ones was Casey Mize. Pedro Martinez called that. Like before the injury, they were talking about, oh, you know, what do you think of this new guy one going 1-1? One, one? And Pedro goes, this guy has uh, Tommy John written all over him. Like, just yeah. he, And he was breaking down the motion and why it was a problem. And. You know, Pedro made a good point, and it happened like two months after. I mean, that, that clip's on YouTube. Just YouTube Pedro yeah. Martinez, Casey Mize, it'll pop up. It's, you know, the funny thing is, though, is, is 
who's the one tiger pitcher in the last 10, 15 years who everyone swore was going to break down arm lives in the last 10 or 15 years max scherzer he's got a weird ass motion everyone said that motion wasn't going to work and he was yeah. going to break down and yet it, you know so uh, it depends on the person too, but for the most part, there are right ways and wrong ways to throw a baseball. I, yeah, I'm fascinated by that. If there is somebody that, whether it's you know your acquaintance there, well, look him up on Twitter. He's had he has still photos his, where he brings Justin Orendoff. He was a former first round pick by the Dodgers. Just text me, text me his like at. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, that, yeah, yeah look him up, Justin Smith. I'm gonna fuck up that name. Yeah. I mean, but if someone actually does crack the code and reduces pitcher injuries even by like twenty percent. Give that guy like a $15 million salary. Like, what is that guy? You can't pay that guy enough. If I like, if you're Tampa and I can have glass now and, and springs and all these guys not die on the field, like, I mean, what is that worth? You can't even quantify it. I mean, the guy could do worth $50 million in production. And, and just you look at what these guys' valuations would be on the free agent market and the game's lost. If someone does crack that code, that'll be. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's, uh, like I said, Justin Orndorff, Um, He, was a former first round pick by the Dodgers and his career was cut short by arm injuries. He was a pitcher. And, uh, and so again, he's dedicated basically his adult life to trying to crack the code and he's onto something. I mean, his, his research, uh, you know, is, is onto something he's called injuries before they've happened. And, uh, he's met with major league teams. I know they've taken him seriously. Um, and so, um, that's, I think something that's worth asking with the tigers. Was there something wrong with how these pitchers were brought up? And they're the former administration. Uh, very fair. And I'm all into that, like, new age, cutting age, you know, cutting edge shit. A.J. Hinch in general here, I want to get your opinion on him just briefly. I am still an A.J. Hinch guy. Uh, you will never hear me call for him to be fired. I, I can't imagine a world where that occurs. I just think he's too good of a manager. I, I've seen bad here. So I'm, a, I'm still an A.J. guy. But I got some qualms. <laughs> There's been some weird shit this year. The base running stuff. He belatedly, in my opinion, I was in the minority, belatedly sat Baez down. I would have yanked his ass out right then and there. And then Veerling did the same shit in the same game. Like, why are these guys finishing the was game? Was Veerling the game before? Veerling and Haas? Veerling and Haas was the, the same inning. Uh, and was, Baez uh, no, was the next game. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it was the Mariners it or was, something. No, it was the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Okay, um, yeah. Because Veerling and Haas both had the boneheaded plays the day before. And I am of the opinion that AJ didn't do anything then. Because I think he was kind of waiting for one of his name players, Baez particular, to kind of screw up so that he could make the point with that player. Oh, oh good. And I, I think mean, that's what he did. Their razor thin margin of error. They can afford to throw away runs. At that point, that they at that point though, the season was already on the brink. And I think that he was, you know, he found the time to make the point and he made it. And I think it did resonate for like uh, for twelve the, days. No, it resonated for the whole team. I'm not saying just Baez. I'm not saying just Baez. It, Baez is still has an OPS under 600. It's embarrassing. Have you seen my mentions? When Baez had like nine good games, everyone's, are you going to apologize? Apologize? I said from day one, I, I lived in Chicago when he was there. I had Cubs partial season tickets when he was there. I've always said Baez can carry you for two to four weeks mm -hmm. sometimes. It, we didn't even get to the third week. It was like, it was like 16 good days. And he's already as bad as ever. I, I, I just, there's some stuff with Hinch where I wonder, your talent ain't there. Can I at least get you to not fuck up on the base pass? And I think Baez should have his ass sat down again. There's still too much lollygagging. I don't know what they're doing.
But so you have no problem. AJ's A plus score from you. I give him, by the way, an A minus. I'm not like ripping him. I with just, what he has to work with, yes, I would put him in that category. I'm not ripping the record because the performance. But when you when you are ten and four in the one run games and six and yeah. two in extra inning games, I think that that's where the manager makes a difference. Yes, he makes a difference with bullpen moves. He's I don't think you have all the world talent out there. A lot of people like this bullpen more than I do, but he finds the matchups. And by the way, pinch hitting wise. He's found the matchups pinch hitting wise consistently throughout the year. I think they have three or four pinch hit home runs this year from guys you would not expect to hit home runs. He's found the matchups when you have those razor thin edges and you're somehow 10 and four in one run games and six and two in extra inning games. I think he's done a lot of that. I also think he's handcuffed. I mean, because he has bias. What are you going to do if you don't play bias? What are you going? I mean, he's basically whether he says it or not, he's being forced to play Miguel Cabrera one out of every three games. Uh, he's being forced to keep Jonathan Scope on this roster. Uh, what do you want him to do? <laughs> I mean, can we he's managing. He, down on the he, order, please. He, Why he is could, he betting like second the other day? Maybe he likes a matchup. I mean, he's bet down. What little, matchup? He, he's been down before in order, but I don't again, like the matchup. I don't even know who the pitcher is. And who would you want to put there? Anybody. Anybody. Scope. And, well, anybody but Scope. <laughs> Cabrera. I honestly, at this point, Mayton. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, why not? You who won't see a fastball making, for the rest of his life? <laughs> you're making too good of your... Yeah, he's a rattle. That's here's, not bad. Either. Throw him some breaking balls. <laughs> let's let's do... Ben, can you move up? I know we had a plan later. Throw the Baez graphic Throwing up Throwing Ben there. a curveball here. Yeah. Can, can we... Ben's got to move it up. We got to do it now because I don't want to come back. I, I don't want to talk about Baez twice today. I argued... Repeatedly, I begged. I had Corey Seager is by far my number one. Now everyone said, "Oh, he was always going to Texas." Maybe can I at least make an offer and have him turn us down? And aside from the "Oh, he's always going to Texas," hindsight twenty twenty shit, which there's some merit to that. Nobody was telling me at the time. Oh yeah, I agree. Seager's better. He'll never come here. I wanted Seager. Corey Seager was kind of shaky last year, but still better than anything we've seen for Bias. But this year came back from injury, but has been absolutely killing at nine forty three OPS. This Baez stat line, the 647, by the way, this is their career since signing last year. So this is like a cumulative, uh, you know, 1.35 you know, years uh, compiled here. <laughs> the 647 OPS for Baez is, is a disgrace. I mean, it's just it's a disgrace. That's terrible for what you're paying. I'm surprised he has 20 home runs since he signed. I was actually the Tigers, stunned by that, too. I don't, it was like that, all last year. I, I, yeah, I just don't. Well, I mean, look at, look at his OPS last year. It had to have been like 670. But well, that Baez was, was nobody's first choice, was he? First choice, no, but it was... Second in, choice? I mean, there was... What were there, five shortstops? Oh, it depends how you classify Simeon. Well, Simeon, right. right. Simeon was but an you option. Could, you could you, call you apparently you offered. You apparently talked to Correa and made him an offer, and he turned it down, supposedly. Uh, I don't know what that offer was. I would not have signed Baez. Baez would not have been the first choice, but when... Everybody wanted a shortstop, and he was the only one left. He wasn't the only one left. Correa was still a free agent when they signed. Yeah, but didn't Baez. they already talk to him though? Yeah, he already turned him down. Oh, they yeah. should have had Tom Gore's negotiate. Well, we Circle back. Circle back. Right. Correa. There's there's no circling back on that. I mean, where's he playing for again? Minnesota. Still His fourth yeah. choice. It worked <laughs> out. I mean, he stinks now. But I would still take him over. I, I would, we should, they got one good year out of him for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. He's he's still an elite defensive player when he's you know not rolling around on his bone spur ankle. I but the bottom line is that that stat of what was it five eighty three OPS by the way that is yeah, that's the, awful. It's that, awful. Awful. 
That is the third worst OPS in the majors this year among qualifiers. 581 this year. He is the third worst batter in the entire sport among qualifiers. He's he's third. I mean, what is it over the last month? I'd be curious to know. Well, because it was so bad the first month, right? I mean, oh, it's I mean, he was like been as bad as ever the last month. He had that, or like he had that worse in the first month. His last, I'd like to know his last thirty days. It's his year, basically five eighty six. His last fifteen days, three fifty nine. That's brutal. Three fifty. That's brutal. Do you, I mean, do you realize how bad the only two people worse are Jose Abreu, who's been like just horrific in Houston, and uh, Gene Segura in, in uh, Miami. Like, he's yeah, the it's, third it's, worst it's hitter in the league. That That's not, you could add 150 points to his OPS and have him in the low 700s. I didn't pay for that either. He, well, you didn't, well, to be honest, you didn't pay for any of it. Well, I paid for it in my time and my soul. He, he, I mean, this <laughs> How is much guy. is that possibly worth? Well, it's not much, but more than nothing. Look, you could add 200 points. All right, this let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to ask you a question. Where is this conversation going? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I we want, know that you wanted Corey Seager. We all wanted somebody other than Javi Baez. As far as the top four or five guys, we just, the question is, what do you want to do? I, I want to be told. I want to be hugged. <laughs> okay. First of all, I need a hug. All right. But I want to be told. Let's, let's stamp it. This is done. This was a disaster. Yeah. I just, can we, because last, last time. But it's not done. Here, but it's not done. It's He's done. not going anywhere. Oh, in that sense, I agree. Right. There's no chance he opts out. No. People are like, no. oh, maybe he'll opt out. So that was, and that's the thing. That's the funny. The opt out is so bizarre because it's like you want everyone wanted Eduardo to not opt out, but everyone wanted Javi to opt out. So people are kind of hoping he has this amazing year so that he would opt out. It's just really bizarre the whole opt out. I hate the opt. It's kind of weird. Like I get why a team like rather than not get it. Like if the alternative is just he won't sign, I get it. But I just think as an organization. I would not do like a year two opt out. Like if you're going to get so one, soon, yeah. I'll give you like a year four. Like yeah. if I'm signing a rod in his prime to 10 years, like I'll give him one in year four. I think he did have one, like a nine year deal opt out in year five or something like this two year opt out. What the fuck? Like, come on. Like you're not, you didn't want to be here. Like, come on. I can't, I can't get three guaranteed years out of you. And, and the fact that like the tigers had the, you know, kowtow to hobby bias, so embarrassing and they deserve it, frankly. So, yeah, so I'll get my hug later, hopefully. But what was his OPS before he signed with the Tigers? What was his career like his OPS? His career OPS? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it had to have been around 800. Right. Um, you know, like, it, it, it was, he was never like. Uh, no, he was, a streaky, he was a streaky player who had decent numbers when all of a sudden done. I'm looking, I mean, I'm looking up his, which is, this is terrible, uh, quote unquote, radio, although it's not a radio. But, yeah, I mean, his OPS, 777 in Chicago, which was the vast majority of that run. Mm. He played half a year with the Mets. It was awesome. Right. It was 886. But he was a high, that's he's like a 780, guy. But see, that's the other thing, too. I mean, he's it's not like, that great to begin you can't, with. You can't project as terrible as he's been. So it wasn't the I don't think anyone was jumping up and down about the Javi Baez signing. But you couldn't have predicted that. You couldn't have predicted that. No, but even if he had done... First of all, I think he just here's an interesting stat, by the way, what during his quote good run after he was benched in Toronto when he came to life and all of a sudden became a player who cared, you know, he had a five. He had the first five game stretch of his career without a strikeout. Yeah, that the was first big five game. That was the big thing. It's like five games. He went without a strikeout. 
I, I just, I'm getting fed up. I'm tired of being right, man. Like I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I pat you on the back, but your hands in the way. Your, your boy, yeah. <laughs> there. But your, your boy Trump, man. It's like, oh, you know, I'm so sick of winning. I'm yeah. so sick of being right because it's, it's just, it's a disaster. You were right. You were right that it wasn't the best signing, and I think you had a lot of people agree with you. But again, you can't predict a 580 OPS from a guy who was 770. You just can't project that. No, but I, he's not been hurt. Like I mean, other than a couple of fluke what finger what's injuries his or whatever. Problem? I don't get it. Sucks so I don't get it. <laughs> but it's been like that, like with guys that have come to the Tigers in the last ten years. It's like it's been awful. I'm so tired of it. Okay, it's then. brutal. It's it's been a frustrating. What has it been now? Ten years this year, so, really. 2014, of, they made the playoffs, but I hardly count that because you already knew it was over. Yeah, I thought J.D. Martinez uh, hit that ball out. I was. And hard. again, I still argue. If you you know, not that I argued at the time, but if you look back on it. If this Tiger team had Verlander, Scherzer, J.D. Martinez, Nick Castellanos, it would be nothing. a good team. You, that was one of the best. They could have done nothing. They could have yeah. done nothing and and filled in with you know and been and still been good. It wasn't like you know. It's like at the time we were all kind of led to believe. Oh, you know, the end is near. We, you know, these guys are gonna. I was on and board. They are still, I was on board with the teardown. Everyone was, but here they are. Here they are, all these years later, and they're still J.D. Martinez is hot as shit in L.A. right now. I mean, it's like all these guys. It's just. They could have just done nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That was the best Tony Paul yeah. take. Like, yeah. Just, just do nothing. Like, just do like, nothing. That, that tear down a rebuild. Like, turns Why? out we could have. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Well, we'll get them next year. Right. They would have been fine. Right. I mean, who knows if Verlander actually like has the Houston like renaissance because he was kind of half cooked. And then Houston, you know, did their Houston stuff. Well, that that was. And, and again, there's there's other indictments on the previous administration I, I you know they could talk about they were into the analytics or whatever okay they hired a couple of analytics guys because dave Dombrowski had nobody so you hired a couple of guys who you know whatever you know it's there's a new era of baseball and the tigers are just now really catching up yeah i think is. you're gonna see that with scott harris and by the way we i think you're that. we were told that with a VOI, which you just said but yeah go ahead sorry. yeah but i i think that this is Okay, Scott Harris could end up being a total bust. I don't think he will. I like Scott Harris. I, I don't think he will. I'm not saying that these moves are all worldly whatever, but you've seen him plug and work with what he has to work with right now and find some guys and you know see some value in guys that Avila might not have, probably would not have. And uh, you're starting to see that. It'll be interesting to see where he sees the value on the free agent market. And you're going to see that this offseason. Speaking of conundrums, Miguel Cabrera. Look, oh boy! It is with full. I gotta go. <laughs> it is with full reverence and respect. I, I'm sorry. This thing is so beyond done. I was frustrated last year when this kept coming up. It, Wojo was saying the magical year was the exact quote. It's a magical year. The guy had like a 728 OPS. The magical year of Miguel Cabrera. And of course, that number tanked. He had a 720 OPS last year. No, no, no. Oh. For, at, at, for like when oh, Wojo oh, tweeted oh, that, like in did. May, like when he yeah. Was, there was a point like where it was like seven thirty eight, like, like three hundred with all singles or whatever. Yeah, there yeah. was a point where it was like in the in the low seven thirties or something like that, or seven, you know, for like a couple of days it was early, and then it, but it was whatever. It was yeah. like it was never going to last. His twenty twenty three line mm -hmm. is horrifying. I mean, a five eleven OPS. He's completely overmatched. Lord knows there's no speed or defense there. I just doesn't this whole thing doesn't plane this guy even in the limited amount that he's playing, betray this whole notion of we're trying to contend and be interesting and turn the corner and we got we to gotta scrape and we you know, the margin for error is so small. Like, 
doesn't this whole Cabrera thing betray this notion? He can't be out there. He can be out there if the team is fucking terrible, if they're beyond awful and there's no hope and whatever. They're not beyond terrible. They're an okay team right now. Again, raise it thin margins. But the reality is they're two games under 500, I think, right? Two games yes. out of first place. Yes. Here we are in June. Okay, that's always the barometer. Everyone says, well, let's see where they are on June 1st, Memorial Day, whatever, or 40 games or whatever. Well, they're, they're there. I mean, the division sucks, so they're there. Um, from that standpoint, now you got, it's time to sit down and make a hard decision if you're the Tigers. And it is a hard decision from ownership standpoint. I'm certain of it. Um, it's, it's rough to watch. I mean, I was listening to Jim Costa, 97.1, who I like. And uh, he was talking about Miguel last week. I was driving up north, and uh, it was a depressing drive because he was putting these numbers out there. And he, he said, factoring in all the analytics and whatever and some formula, that Miguel was the 1,104th ranked best player in baseball this year. <laughs> out of 1,106. <laughs> This was the number that that Costa put out there, and he explained where the numbers came from. And I don't remember exactly, but it was factoring in everything. Miguel Cabrera, uh, look, the last seven years have been awful. Um, for but this, the last two, it's it, if the team is serious about. All right, we have a record that puts us in position to win. I mean, he, it's it's going to become time to make that decision and it's not an it's not a scott harris decision it's not an aj Hinch decision it's got to be chris illich who gives the okay to here's your 32 million dollars we appreciate everything you've done we'll retire your jersey next april um we look forward to you being around the ballpark and being around the team for years to come but um it's time to make that decision i mean he's not a capable major league ball player and it's sad and i was worried that this is exactly what was going to happen this year because we remember what miguel was like when he was miguel and it was some of the best baseball. I mean, we we're fortunate. We was some of the best baseball we've seen in Detroit ever, and uh, every night for several years. And to see what it's become is it. It sucks. It's it's sad. But you are running a baseball team. You are trying to win, um, and you, according to the numbers, are in position to be competitive in your division. At some point, you got to make that decision. And it's you're not there with those numbers. I don't know when you're going to get there. You, you've been around this guy, Cabrera, reported on him, been in his you know, personal space when he's in his underwear in the locker room. So like, you, you know the guy. Mm -hmm. You've covered the guy mm -hmm. for years. So even if you don't have inside knowledge on this, what's your read on it? Because my take is from afar, not having reported on him, I don't think he'd be disagreeable to the notion of like, hey, here's your money. See you later. I, he seems like pretty self-aware about where he's at. I don't think he would be mad. I like that to me would be the one. Like if he really was adamant, I want to finish this year out. I wouldn't play him hardly at all. But even I would say like, okay, he's that. What are you really squandering here? But if he was open, which, which to, again was my opinion, if they were terrible, right? Who but cares? That goes back to the whole. Are they betraying if, this whole? But if you're whole, two games under 500 on June 1st and two games out of first, whether I think you're a contender or not, because you talk about it on the sports talk radio, like they're right there, like it's 2009 and it's game 163 with this team. I don't agree with that. I don't yeah. think this team is a contender, but the standings say you are right now, and so that's where if if you're terrible, I don't have a problem with him being on the roster, but uh, I, I how can you justify it? If, you, if you're trying to tell your fans, look at us. But the thing is, and here's the other thing, 
they marketed this season around Miguel. I mean, the you know, I mean, everything about the ballpark is all about Miguel. They're gonna have Miguel bobbleheads and Miguel giveaways, and it's like, no, but it's like no one is gonna, no one will even notice. No one cares. I would agree with you, except that nobody gives a shit. About I would agree that many fans are over it at this point. Yeah, you know, it's this is not Derek Jeter. Is farewell tour. This is not David Ortiz's farewell tour. They were capable players. This guy is not. I mean, he had three hits the other day, which was astounding. Um, but no home runs, no extra base power, nothing. Um, I just it's it's sad what it's become. But if you're trying to tell your fans that, you know, I heard AJ Hinch on the radio the other day saying, "Oh, it's great to see the fans behind us now that we're starting to win some games." And well, well, so you have to make some moves that are tough, maybe tough decisions from a higher up standpoint, but make some moves that demonstrate to your fans that this is what you want to do, that you're going to try for it this year. It's time. And I agree. I agree. And it sucks because again, I like Miguel. I've written some stuff that Miguel didn't like, uh, you know, over the years about, uh, you know, things that he, you know, mistakes he made in his life. And, you know, we, you know, but I like him as a person. I think he's grown a lot. I think the players like him. I think he's a good influence in the clubhouse, but that's not enough anymore. What's his legacy here? If they, I mean, we, we know he's done as a player. I don't think they're winning the World Series this year. I mean, are you left wanting a little bit that they never got it done? Obviously, he won one with Florida. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm left a little wanting. Incredible legacy. Yeah, but, but, I, and, but, but I wouldn't pin that on him um, at all. It was because, you know, Dave Dombrowski couldn't build, build a bullpen. Then he goes to elsewhere and builds a bullpen. But, I mean, yeah. I mean. There's some bad stuff there, though. They would have made the playoffs as a pretty good team with a chance to make a run, but he was out. 2009 was drinking bad. with his was bad. buddies. For that was bad, and there was some serious immaturity, and it happened again. Um, he made some mistakes, um, no question about it. But uh, you know, he he could put man from 2000, and really from 2011, 12, 13. I mean. I mean, we've never seen a player that good in a Tiger uniform. The production's and, beyond reproach. Know, and so, yeah. and and yeah. he, you know, put that team on his back, and he was, a, I, I think, I don't know the numbers, but a good performer in the postseason. And um, he's not the reason they didn't win a World Series. He he might have been the reason they didn't make the playoffs in two thousand nine. That's I, fair. I think, that's I think fair. He was. That's fair. Do you remember? There, you know, also Jim Leon also didn't pitch Porcello that one game um when he thought that he had the division one yes. in 2009 and then they blew the division and jim leland deserves some blame for that too brandon Ainge was hit by the pitch he that, was hit by the pitch it's another I'm and the stupid you, metrodome does metrodome things stupid carpet that they used to play on <laughs> i mean here's didn't don kelly miss a ball though did he i don't remember i don't remember i, don't remember Man, I, don't I hated that place that was oh that stadium was horrible. oh it was, it was brutal I, yeah i remember cabrera hit a homer in like the second or third inning of that game it was like pretty early out in the game and i was like oh shit like he's fired up that game was a uh, just nightmare that's on that list that's the nightmare for tiger fans but it's like on the list of mlb's like classic games of all time i don't want to see it I that know. was the gerald laird 10 men left on oh base. that was brutal how do you leave 10 men yeah. on base in an extra inning loss? <laughs> like I, you, you kind of have to retire <laughs> like can brutal. i get one of the 10 in <laughs> so brutal can you strand only nine of the 10 and i can go to the playoffs please it was, there were so many things about that game unforgivable and, uh, but the, oh. I, do you remember what octavio dotel yeah name said about the culture of that clubhouse i don't remember he was here for like five minutes but he had it's the forgotten story was quote. that oh nine 
Man, I'm not even like trying to say it was guess. after. I, I, it was, it was I after. think it was in that range. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it was when they were, con- they were it was in their contending years. Yeah. It, it was a big a, acquisition at the time. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm looking it up now, which is getting, it's, it's going to it's gonna bother me. But he held that it's on his pages. He's got a Tigers logo. Yeah. So that was like 12 or 13 mm. that he was there. He wasn't very good, was he? Uh, in 12, he was. In 13, he wasn't. Okay. Uh, he, he had like four innings. But, I mean, he wasn't great, but that, that World Series team, 58 innings, 357. Like, he was solid. He's a yeah. legitimate member of the bullpen. But he had a – and this is a total paraphrase, but he came out, and I think it was after the 2012 World Series or during it when they were down 3-0 or somewhere in there. You can look it up. But the quote was basically, there's a clubhouse issue here. And he had just come from St. Louis – he had been, you know, around like a really good organization, and he, in so many words, said, "It's a little too." Who's on the Who's on the twelve team? The, tell me, tell me the roster. The Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was a hell of a team. That was, it was a year good team. one of Fielder Cabrera. I mean, they were kind of shaky all year, and then they they were far inferior to the twenty thirteen unit, but they still had their yeah. guys there. I mean, that was, was Delman Young on that team. That was uh, ooh, he was definitely on twenty eleven. Yeah, I think Delman was still there. I can't remember if he hopped to Baltimore. He was gone by 13. Well, he was in Baltimore in 14, right? Well, yeah, because he, he went him. against us. <laughs> but I think he was in Baltimore. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is, he Dotel, whom I'm heavily paraphrasing, did have those quotes, though, where he was saying, kind of indicting, honestly, Cabrera and, to a lesser extent, Victor Martinez. Because Victor, Victor, like, fired back in the media and was like, and Leland did, too, like, he should shut the fuck up in so many words. But I think Dota, I remember when he when he came out and said it, it was like a one day story. I it was something I had said I don't since remember that at all. It, I had said it since 2009, which mm-hmm. is why I thought it was closer to that range. Mm-hmm. But I had been saying that for years at that point where they just you got the Prince Fielder, uh, you know, I'm going to play with my you kids. Also don't, you also don't need a rosy clubhouse to win a championship. But it's not we've, about rosy. But we've, they were a little too. But we've seen we've seen clubhouses that hated each other. Win sport, win championships, and all not sorts even about of sports. That. It's just like they, they did not have a workman like they were kind of uh, a little loose, loose. Fat cats. And if that's the case, Cabrera is the embodiment of that. I mean, the ultimate class clown. He was your best player by far. I would argue, other than Pujols, the best hitter of his generation. I, 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 I gotta put that a little bit on Cabrera's legacy. Yeah, but, he, but he, did, but he, but he performed. So I don't know. I mean, it's not Miguel Cabrera's. Fault that they didn't win a World Series. No, I, I just, I, didn't, I, didn't I know, I know, but I'm just saying that if you yeah. want to talk legacy, we got to see one of the top, yeah, 10, 15 hitters in Major League Baseball history for an extended period of time. That's a pretty good legacy. Yeah, no doubt. No you doubt. know, all right, Jackson Job. Um, I don't know what to say. This will be this will be brief. Ben, can you? Do we want to just go through all the injuries? Well, forget the injuries. This was dumb pre-injury, but injuries were a big part of why this was dumb. And that was my argument all along was the volatility of the position. The high school You're players. right, Justin. Again. Uh, well, with the Tigers, I am. You want to move to the Lions, that's where I, <laughs> I, I start batting around, you know, 315, 320. I'm below 500. Uh, ben, let's roll that. Tony and I arguing about this like oh, what, God. two years ago now. Was I making it look bad? I want to hit a little bit on Jackson Joe because I barely touched it on my show. And I want to be able to, five years from now, pull a clip from tonight and be like, aha, I told you so. I hope I'm wrong, but I told you so. I want to talk about the ugly scene generally of drafting high school pitchers early. If you don't know who Jackson Job is, third overall pick a couple weeks ago in the draft for the Tigers. I don't buy the pick as a wise pick. The guy may be the most talented player in all the draft. Obviously. Obviously rooting for him. 
but I have to look at the data. I don't buy it. I would have taken one of the high school shortstop. I, I think it was clearly the riskiest move on the board doing exactly what they did. Every pick in the, in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, there's no, there's no sure thing. Um, it's the one sport that, you know, you just don't see guys. You see guys not pan out more than pan out out of even the first round. So here's a guy with those 9,900 miles an hour who doesn't have much wear on the arm. He hasn't pitched very long. He's only pitched, what, a year or two in high school. He didn't get into it until, um, you know. And you can look at the first guys that were drafted, but you can also look at, you know, there have been other high school guys that have been drafted in the first round, it turned out. I mean, the baseball draft, would I have rather had him take a shortstop? Of course, you know, a cornerstone guy. Maybe a safer pick, but um, you know, shit. Just because it hasn't happened before or in the last ten years doesn't mean it can't happen with this kid. The purpose is not to dunk on you because you basically agreed with me. You right. just thought it wasn't as big of a deal. That's not why I brought that up. I'm it also just, hasn't been five years yet since that clip. You said let's let's look back in five years. I was vindicated. How many years earlier. was that? One year ago? Two years? One year? It's got to be like two years. All right, so we got three years ago. Them. I mean, it's within a month of two years. Right. Yeah, yeah. So basically, two years ago. But I, it's not about a dunk. It's about can we just revisiting this? Marcel Mayer just promoted to double A, scorching hot in single A. Everything out there is this guy is a, a leader. He's one of the he's the fourth ranked prospect in all baseball right now. Baseball America's list. MLB.com I think has him fifth or sixth. I mean, he's a consensus top five six guy in all of baseball. He's younger than Jackson Job by like a month, but still, like I I, I just. That was an egregious mistake. I said it in real time. And Job, we might not even see again this year with some bizarre lumbar thing I've never even heard of. Uh, that was that was a disaster, and we can move past that, right? I mean, they blew that. Well, I mean, I said, I mean, yeah, I would have rather had the shortstop, of course. Um, the credentials were there. Um, I also haven't seen Jackson Job pitch, so I don't know. But come on, I'm not ready to. Get, I mean, get, I'm, look, was I? I think I said at the time. That, I don't think I call it an egregious mistake, but I would rather have the shortstop. I think I'd, we'd still all rather have the shortstop. Um, but that you know, you said in the clip, five years. Let's see. Yeah, that clip was only two years ago. Yeah, you like to rush to things. I've been right about everything with them. I mean, you have been right about a lot of things. The District of Detroit. I said that was never happening. That, I mean, well, hey, I, hey, they got their tax money now. I think they got it's another coming. one. It's coming. I feel like every coming. every six months, someone DMs me something or, or at one me. point doesn't like the. Don't you stop like fooling mom and dad when you keep going back to them for money for that you're going to turn things around and eventually don't they say no? I'm surprised <laughs> the city council even makes them ask. I would like just put out the put out the briefcase and say, Chris, come on, whenever you need anything, come on in. I, I love how now that like you go downtown and like, you know, they have those little like banners on the sign posts, you know, like the District Detroit banners on the streets, street posts. How about the banners See, on the fences? But, but they seem to be getting... Like they seem to like be extending those banners into like downtown Detroit, like where there were already buildings like, oh, district C, district oh, yeah. Detroit's happening. Well, that was already there. They just seem to kind of keep extending those banners into what's already there. I was promised like a comedy club. No, multiple it's bars. coming. It's coming. Be patient. Be patient. It's a long wait. Be patient. Yeah. I don't know. Plenty of parking, though, as we know. There is. There I, is. I, which, I, is a, which, which is a good thing to have parking. I, the the fact that like they went in front of that well, it was a bad move it was a bad draft but how are they still oh no, it was a bad no it was a, it was a bad draft you, you were getting me down the district no the district you try I, I am not smart enough to understand how these tax credits work though i just don't understand how you get so much money to do something then don't deliver it and then get more money well, that's what i, I don't saying. understand that how do they keep going back to the well like i, I it's bad enough you got skinned once like, uh, like i i it happen? just it doesn't make any sense to me again 
these tax credits in some way i'm sure that like there's rules that have to be doled out or whatever but i just don't understand how it works like how do you go there say you're going to deliver this then blame covid that you didn't deliver it even though you started the project way before covid so really was covid probably had nothing to do with it and then go back and get more money because well, now because now because now you're really going to deliver. So now we really need that money. Who did Chris Illich say that to? That was your colleague. It was Wojo. That's correct. Yeah. I did an entire little uh, mini off the curb episode on that. Where Chris Illich is sitting with Wojo like two years ago now. And I, I guess I'll give Wojo credit for even broaching the topic of the District of Detroit. Like so credit where it's due, I guess. But then Chris gives this nonsensical answer about, oh, well, you know, the pandemic hit. The quotes on the record, the guy's on tape in multiple venues on multiple occasions saying the District of Detroit is going to open with the new arena in 2017. Yeah. Even if it was three years late, it would still be like, what are you talking about? And the fact like the Wojo's next question, I know they're edited for clarity or brevity or something, but I'm sure if there was something interesting that would have been in the final edit of that piece. The next question is about like the bullpen. We need the serious answers here. We need who you cares have about District tolerated. Detroit. Tony Pollard <laughs> never stood for that. Hey, Wojo's a good interview. All right. It was a good interview. At Wojo's least he got at least he got Chris Hilch on the record where there's something that very few people can do. Wojo's one of the three or four best writers yeah. in the history of this town. I, I'm a Wojo guy and I had a, a glorious lunch with him in, in West Bloomfield a few uh, months back on your uh you know, I don't know, not on your dime, but no, uh, on your dime, on, on your celebration, <laughs> yeah. yes, I don't know, because of you or facilitated by you. I like Wojo. I'm not like blasting the guy, but he blew that sequence. Anyway, I want to move on completely unrelated. Get off the tires. This is a horrible topic. Just briefly. <laughs> I mean, it is, but we got to talk. But about here, it. It's my favorite. Know, the funny team. thing is, it's a horrible topic for you. Yet again, they're interesting. You have to admit that. I think this whole can their see, interesting thing is going to age really poorly. But you, but, they are going to be... Well, I, this is the first year where I think I expected them to be interesting. In, I didn't. I mean, I, at I, least some pieces. And you can start to see some pieces that fit, which you couldn't see. But can, can we... When do I graduate from this? Well, concept? when Scott Harris gets a year under his belt to determine what he has and what he doesn't. I, you got to compartmentalize. Scott Harris is separate. I can criticize the organization and say wins enough enough and not be criticizing Scott Harris in that sentence. But where, where am I hearing that? <laughs> that me or you, Ben? I don't know. I don't know. That, whatever. So, so someone, we're, we're being like pirated here. I just, I, I think we're at a point where I, I, I this offseason will be very interesting. I completely separate Scott Harris. I don't mm -hmm. hold him culpable for any of this stuff, but the organization is separate. Transitioning to this completely off base before someone hijacks her show again. I don't know what that was. You probably had one of those ads up on you. Anyway. I didn't even think this thing was linked to my stereo. Mm -hmm. I, it's, aliens are coming down here. Susie Merchant. Mm -hmm. Really interesting piece. Now, I, I, granted, Michigan State women's basketball, I follow as a alum and like I know what they're doing. I can tell you within a game or two what their record is most years, like in real time. So I, I follow them. I do watch some. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a, a following them really closely. But I do know everybody that I knew, and certainly me, was kind of blindsided by the announcement that she was resigning and retiring. You had a really interesting piece. I think that was the first kind of extensive mm. sit down with her, her first time really going on the record with that. 
Like what happened there? Did she had this accident and that's all because of this or what just kind of take us through why is Susie Merchant uh, no longer the coach at Michigan State? Well, you can check out the piece at DetroitNews.com. It's a subscriber piece, so you can subscribe. I'm a, we still a have, proud subscriber. We still have great deals on subscriptions. Um, it's it's kind of weird. I don't know necessarily the whole story about what went down. Susie Merchant was extremely well-liked and respected at the university. She'd been the coach for 16 years. She had made 10 NCAA tournaments. Um you know, there's some really good teams in there. Um, she built a very solid program. The program made the championship game under uh, Joanne P. McCallie before Joanne left for Duke. Um, but Susie really brought in some sustained success uh, for Michigan State women's basketball. Really well liked. Just, uh, you know, put them on the map a little bit. Like you said, you paid attention. Like, you know, like you, you were aware, you know, behind football, basketball, and hockey, I think women's basketball was the, was the sport, was the fourth sport at Michigan State. Um, she had had some health issues. She had some health issues six years ago that she came back too quick from and, and you know, then ended up back in the hospital. She had some more health issues this year, which led to this car accident. And here, when the car accident happened in, in January 22nd, I think, it was the day before a game at Illinois. And she had this car accident. Michigan State puts out a press release saying Susie Merchant was in a minor car accident. And she's in the hospital for observation. And she'll just miss a game. Okay, so flash forward all these weeks and months later. I'm texting with Susie, trying to get an interview after she was left the job. And, uh, and she, I had seen a picture of her posting this Jeep that she had and she was driving up to Traverse City. I said, oh, that's a cool Jeep. I love Jeeps. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's a rental. My, my Range Rover was totaled in the accident. And this is a minor accident, according to Michigan State, in their press release. So that, anyway, I ended up finally getting the sit-down interview with Susie, talked to her just about her career and where she is now. Um, and then she told me, yeah, I hit a tree at 40 miles an hour. Again, not minor, but that's the Michigan State way. We're just going to put out whatever we feel like and not be overly forthcoming. Um, but she's trying to figure out the health issues. I don't know the exact cause of the accident. She's, you know, she, she's not, she wasn't, she didn't really want to do this interview. She really kind of wanted to fade away and just live her life. Um, she agreed to talk, to talk with me. And so she did talk to certain, she didn't want to talk necessarily in detail about the health issues. And she didn't want to talk necessarily in detail about her time separating from Michigan state. Um, so I don't know the extent of the health issue. I don't know what they are. I know they're serious enough that she ended up in the Mayo Clinic um, to get a bunch of tests done. And uh, basically, we were led to believe that she retired, maybe. But the press release from Michigan State when she did leave after the season was that it was a mutual decision, which was odd terminology. Um, anyway, we we're led to believe from Michigan State's point of view that Susie decided to retire. Come to find out through her husband that maybe, and he was quoted in the article as well, Susie didn't want to talk about Michigan State and her split from Michigan State, but her husband did. <laughs> so he talked about it a little bit, and he, and he talked about how there was pressure on Michigan State for her to make up her mind or decide what she was going to do before she'd even gone to Mayo Clinic. And uh, it kind of came down to my belief, um, and I think I, you know, I put in the story what they said, but my belief, talking to the people and the principals, is that she just felt pressured and they didn't know what was wrong with her neck and they didn't know what her medical steps were. So they just kind of said, all right, we'll leave. And uh, I think that they felt like there was maybe a little bit more pressure. Michigan State, Alan Holler didn't want to comment on it. It was a, it was a messier ending, I think, to uh, a long-term good relationship than that we were led to believe. And 
messier than you know anybody would have liked because again Susie was you know other than Tom Izzo might be the one of the longest tenured coaches at Michigan State and uh, well liked again well respected and had a great resume and she did point out to me that she would have coached next year so it's just it's just a a messy ending it just didn't have to be that way so bottom line i mean you sat with her i think it was hopcat we went to hopcat yeah yeah. for two hours yeah her choice i wanted to go to the peanut barrel but i let her choose (laughs) yeah i was gonna i was gonna say how did that happen how did you not end up at the peanut barrel was a little louder i think that maybe hopcat was not overly busy i I love hopcat too but they gotta get rid of the fries are good thornburger no offense i I still got peyton on my wall do they really do they still have the burger yeah well someone tweeted it at me like three or four days ago so yeah i think it's still there that won't be the case as well but you get the sense from having been with her for two hours in this conversation she's not happy she's no longer the coach right now there's a little bit of acrimony there i think it's two things i think I think she's very happy that she is retired now that she's getting a taste of it. She got $1.4 million, at least maybe more from Michigan State um, as the buyout, which, by the way, the terms of her contract specified that if she were terminated or let go ahead of the contract, that she would get two times her base pay, which her base pay was 700000 So technically, the buyout was paid for termination or for the university making the decision, even though it was a mutual decision. So read into that what you will. Um, I think it came down to, again, she's happy now. She gets, she's loving life. If you follow her on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, she's, she's loving life. And people I talk to say that they don't recognize her. She's so much happier now. Um, But I don't think she cared for my sense, how it ended. Um, I think she felt like maybe she deserved better than to be pressured. At least that's, I think her husband conveyed that to me in the article that uh, now from Michigan State's point of view, you know, they're in a, they're in a tight spot there, too. You know, I mean, they it is a it is a it's not the flagship program of the university, but it is an important program for the university. And they've got to figure out what the future holds, too. And so I'm sure they have timelines that maybe they were working on that didn't necessarily align with Susie's. Um, I'm also the belief that Michigan State could have gone a year with an interim staff too. I think that the staff that she had in place at Michigan State was well-respected as well, and I think that they could have got by. Um, what I was led to believe from Michigan State's point of view is that wasn't an option. They felt like it, that wasn't the proper, proper way to go. And so uh, there was a split that was just not ideal timing for probably her. I mean, again, the press release came out while she was at the Mayo Clinic undergoing 14 hours of tests. I'm sure that had to hit her pretty hard. Um, I don't think she wanted it to end as soon as she did, but she had also told me that she was al- already d- looking ahead to the future because the game has changed and she doesn't like a lot of things about the game changing college athletics. Uh, but she also told me she would have coached next year. So I get that there's a hint of sadness there for sure from her. Um, but there's, there's also, uh, you know, you could see a lot of joy that she's taking from she doesn't have to work again if she doesn't want to. She doesn't have to coach again. She's got a good buyout. Her husband makes good money. Um, she's got two young kids, both athletes, both play a ton of sports. So she gets to hang out with them. So, um, I mean, she told me at the when we had our lunch, like we would have never been able to meet for more than 15 minutes if she was still a college basketball coach because that's the life of a college coach. So I, I, I get the sense there's a, a, a hint of sadness in how it ended, when it ended. But I feel like she's in a much better place now. And her health is on the mend. It's not life-threatening. and so. I mean, doing the press release while she's undergoing tests, it, it, it comes off a little unfeeling. I also heard, so. from, I also heard from somebody that uh, 
that she didn't get to see the press release before it went out, which that's true. It's kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, it's about her. And, the, and again, the timing of it. Look, I get, again, Michigan State, I wish they would have put a comment on the record for this story. I think they would have looked better, but they chose not to. Alan Holler decided not to. That's fine. I get that they had some pressures too. I mean, you know, you want to have your, you want to know what's going on in the future. But uh, I, I don't think, I think they could have waited until she got some answers from the Mayo Clinic for how serious this would be and how treatable this condition would be moving forward. And I also think they could have waited to put out the press release until at least she got out of the Mayo Clinic. I mean, I've met her twice. I don't think she would know me if I like walked up to her and shook her hand, but I have met her twice over the years. Awesome. Lady. Oh, she's, she's cool. I love Susie. She's Bergen. cool. Everyone likes her. Yeah. Everyone. And people at Michigan state love her. Um, you know, it just, uh, it just, it, it didn't end as, it didn't end exactly like we were told, you know, with a mutual parting. I mean, technically, I think it was. Uh, I think technically it was, but um, it definitely, there was a little bit more tension there than we were led to believe. And so, again, I think that that leaves her a little sad. And I think when the season, you know, she's happy right now. I think when the season comes around, I'm sure there's going to be some emotion for her. It's going to be her first year in 31 years not coaching a college basketball team um, when that season rolls around. But right now she's living a good life. And again, she doesn't have to work anymore. So check out the article. I think she was pretty forthcoming. Again, she didn't want to do an article. She wanted to just kind of, um, you know, drift off and enjoy her life. But she agreed to talk to me. And I, I think it was, it, it hit home with a lot of people. I heard from a lot of people about the article. So oh, there were a lot of questions there. It just, it never sat right. People mm -hmm. just had a feeling about that. When it was announced that you were coming on and I didn't even reveal that I was having Susie Merchant as a topic, although I always intended to after senior piece. Well, I did have a write-in question from a longtime uh, follower viewer. He wanted to know, where did you get the buyout number from, that $1.4 million figure? I, that was his question. So I'm just... Uh, Multiple people. So it's, it's a source thing. Mm. So she didn't tell you that. Mm. Multiple people. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> that, that's... I'm, Honoring the long time viewer, right? Uh, no, no, she no, right. she did. No, it wasn't yeah. off the record. She did tell me the buyout was two times her base salary, which okay. her base salary was technically was her base was technically seven hundred, although she made eight seventy five under her last contract. And that was the other weird thing. She got a new contract last year or before this season. You know, she was like in the six hundred thousand range and got a huge raise to like eight seventy five when everything was factored in um, on a five year rollover deal. And then all of a sudden, it just ends like this with the health issues and. It's just, it, I still, there's still questions I have about it. About I was it shocked down. when I read that 875 figure. Mm -hmm. That's like more than Jim McElwain. I feel yeah. like those Mac coaches yeah. don't well, even make that much. Yeah, Kim, uh, U of M's Kim, Kim Barnes Rico, she made over a million this year. So I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, father of a daughter, like the, the more money in women athletics, I think it's awesome. Well, and it's, it speaks, it speaks to women's there. basketball too. Women's basketball is seeing a significant spike right now, especially it, this past year. The, yeah. yeah, the NCAA should cut a check to Caitlin Clark for everything she did for them this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, she she put that sport on its. On that its was back. so fun, man. Yeah, like that got people into it that have never even looked at the sport before. It was, it's, it was awesome. Yeah. So th that that's kind of a wrap for what I wanted to talk about. You know, in the whole agenda, we were talking before the show organically. I'll do. I want to say five minutes. It'll probably mm -hmm. go a little longer. The blue wall. Uh -huh. you, We've talked about this before. Yeah, but, you, but I want to revisit it because yeah. it, it's come up in particular with, with your case. And we talked about it on our remote version of the Off the Curb show. We talked about the Mel Tucker contract, all that stuff. When you are Which, out, by the way, the Mel Let me stop you there. Go ahead. Because we talked about the Mel Tucker contract before we got the Mel Tucker contract, right? Before we got the specifics of it. Because you were criticizing why are the, we going... The pursuit of it. You yeah. were criticizing why we were going after it. 
correct? I was criticizing the intensity of the pursuit, not the interest or... I don't know what you mean by the intensity. We were just trying to get a contract. Well, I... I FOIA I, for every contract of every Division One coach in the state of Michigan. But no, no, no. Everyone. I, I have a... I had you guys separate. We can pull the episode. Okay. Right. I, it was not just the media. I kind of kept the whole phenomenon of Twitter's obsession with it. And this kind, that's where you got mad at me because you thought I was saying it about you. I was saying it about other people with this obsession. I think there is, in some cases, a racial element to it. Not the media. I'm talking about the Twitter people. And I can just base it by all thug this, thug that with all that shit flying around. So I, I just, it was more a criticism of the thirst for it. Generally, you guys were a component of that. But it was honestly my... You know, vitriol and my disgust was more about the the random you know lightning bolt Michigan logo Twitter people. I think they're all nuts. I think they care way too much about this stuff. I don't know, but I mean, my can, point. But my my point on defending us and going after the contract was we we have the right to see it because it's a public university and it's you know we have the right to see these contracts. And again, since I for the last ten years I've foiled for every single contract. If every Division One coach, even like. Oakland University softball, you name it, I have them all. And that was the only, that was the one contract we weren't able to get. And I just, we felt, the people at the news and the free press felt like we should be able to see it in case there was anything in there that was newsworthy. And by the way, there was. When we were sold, when the deal first happened, that the whole extension was being funded by donors. The contract and the language in the contract comes out that it wasn't that much. It wasn't the entire extension. So there was something in there worthwhile that was worth reporting. Because again, Michigan State told us one thing and proved to be something else. So that, so I would think I was vindicated. You were right about the Tigers for the last eight years. I think I was vindicated well, there. Well, hold on a minute. When we've had that episode, didn't I finish it with saying I think you won You came the around a little bit. You came around a little bit. <laughs> I think yeah. I even, it's yeah. a rare case. But even, like, in that, yeah. even in that episode, I said, who knows? I said, we may not get anything newsworthy out of this. But we did. It, it, w- it came out that wow. Michigan State led us to believe that the entire extension, part, not the entire contract of Mel Tucker, but the entire extension was being funded by the donors when it wasn't that much. It, sure. was, it was a percentage of it. Here, here's where you guys stub your toe in the eyes of many, though. Granted for all of that, and I even said in that episode on tape, like, yeah, you kind of got me. It's more of just I'm fed up with it, and that's right. not a good argument. Well, and you're a Spartan fan. Yeah. I just have and fed you, up with it. you're a little sensitive. But, well, that's, that's a given. I even take the Spartan fan thing aside. I'm a tenured individual generally. <laughs> I, I'm like hyper aware of criticism and I'm sensitive and I need lots of hugs. Yes. But here's where you guys stub your toe a little bit. I don't mean you, but the, the, me, the media generally. And I'm not even saying this is fair, but this is where the criticism lies. Okay, fine. Go get the Mel Tucker contract. Mm-hmm. It's in my opinion, probably, yeah. It's objectively newsworthy, even if there hadn't been any grand revelations, which it turns out to some extent there were. Where is this intensity and passion for, for example, Matt Weiss at Michigan? You wrote about it. It was a one-day story. It wasn't Why one is the, Okay, one, one and a half. Story. No, it wasn't. It was we several haven't, weeks heard, we haven't heard boo about it in, in months. Because what, we don't know what's happening with it. Has there been court proceedings? We yet? didn't we know about Mel Tucker's but here, contract. Here, People here. were suing all over no, the but place. The other get, you know, the free, it wasn't your paper. It was the free press's lawyers. They were going after that Mel Tucker contract like he was, he was hiding but, yeah. the Rosetta Stone. Yeah. No, but, well. I, I'm so, like, come on. I mean, the first media on the White story was the Detroit News. We had that nailed before anybody. We broke that story. I mean, we're going at that with vigor. We've 
Angelique and Rob Snell, our reporters, did a great job on that. And they followed it up for several days. And there's going to be, you know, future proceedings. But there's only I'm sure we got FOIAs for that. We got FOIAs for that, you know, information. So I, I just there have was you, plenty of vigor. Have you sued yet? Because I don't know what there's this. I don't know what the there's contract. to sue for, though. Well, you either have the information or you're suing well, to we, get it. it we've, can't be, there's we've no three. Well, here, here's the one thing, too. And I'm going to piss off some Michigan State people here. <laughs> it's, I do it all the time. You're good. <laughs> Anybody who's FOIA'd for either Michigan State or Michigan information will have to agree with this. One university is more forthcoming with the information than the other. Michigan State, I always joke that you could FOIA for the lyrics to the fight song and they would say we need a 10-day extension. <laughs> because every FOIA you send to Michigan State, you're going to get a 10-day extension. And yep. if it's information that's maybe controversial, you're going to get a bill. And a lot of times that bill is going to be hefty. Why? Because they're hoping that, and I'm sure a lot of times, that you just will just disregard and you don't want to pay the bill and you'll just forget about it. I can't tell you if I've ever gotten a bill from Michigan for FOIA requests, and I rarely get an extension notice from Michigan, and the information usually comes. There was FOIA information that we included in follow-up white stories that came from the University of Michigan. I don't know the ins and outs of the white story. White story. I'm not on that. That's Angelique and Rob Snell. I think they did a great job covering it. I don't necessarily know that it's done being covered, and I don't know if there's necessarily information out there to get at this moment in the proceedings. I don't know where they are. I don't know all the details about that. But I will say we covered that story very well and we covered it with vigor. I don't understand, you know, what you want. We don't know what happened yet. Where are you guys? <laughs> what do you mean you covered it well? We don't know what happened. I mean, I know, but I can't report it. But I, what happened? Is there a paper trail at Michigan that says what happened? If there was, we would have that information. Okay. If I'm a in club in my basement that's doing this in my free time. I know. Well, people, somebody over there can figure it out and write it. Then you, you can report it. Go ahead. What? Right now. We got a live audience. I'm, Go I was it. told off the record. We've all happened. heard things off the I, record regarding this case and other cases. But fine. It's not my job. Why do I got to do your job? I don't mean like you, you, but like the collective media job. That, I'm just saying that's where it gets, you get the eye rolling a little bit. The counterpoint to that is it's completely standard and normal and healthy and, and not a deviation from the norm at all to have an active criminal investigation be sort of uh, more squelched. It's not quite apples to apples with a contract from a public university. Right. So I think that's the valid I'm making the argument against myself, to be fair. So I don't think it's apples to apples, but the perception active is... Active investigations usually it's a lack of public knowledge. Yes. You know, because it's, they, they hide behind it's an ongoing investigation. But why, why don't we know? It's been months. I wish we did. And I assume at some point we will. I, but the, do you understand but there's I, a we, perception got, of a we, disparity? What about the Mozzie Smith thing? There were a lot more articles on... What the about Mich the guy who was suspended from the Rose Bowl at Michigan State? Yeah, that I hammered the Michigan State media for that. Hammered them. But the you don't hear Michigan State there. people bring up that. Is there a green wall? And we didn't have the information to go <laughs> on the record. Like, you know, yeah. you got to still get things on the record. You can't just print what we all know things. Yeah. You can't just print what you know if it's not on the record and not buttoned up. I will tell you that the idea of a blue wall, and we were talking about this before we went on, you know, it's, it's just, to me, it's entirely unfair. We've covered, um, but... By the way, um, 
no, I won't get into that. But oh, if it's no, if no, it's no. critical of no, me, no, that'll no, be better. No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's not. No, it's not. But the the idea of the blue wall. Look, if if we've, I mean. I mean, we were the first on the Dr. Anderson stuff uh, and covered that with vigor. Yeah, 40 uh, years late. It was great. Well, and no one talked about it for how many years to the public. And, Another story you know, that went away. But, you know, the NASA no story had why. been going on how long and that, how many years late was that? Yeah. And Michigan State got raked over the coals for that to the point where it still gets brought up like daily in rivalry discussions. It's not about, oh, Michigan State's better or the media. No, but I'm just saying we've we covered the thing. We. Does Michigan pay for their sins the way Michigan State does? Do you think it's an equal treatment in the media? I'm not even a big blue wall guy. From the media, I think think the media is. I think the media blasts when it's appropriate to blast, and and you know, I I whether Michigan pays for their sins and what they do in response to the stuff is not our prerogative. We're reporting the news, and I think we report it pretty fairly, good and bad for both sides. Where I think that people kind of get lost in this whole blue wall thing is we the, the news and free press and and live and whatnot have more michigan coverage than michigan state coverage and i think that that adds to uh the blue wall narrative when in the reality is we the papers put more resources into university of michigan because we have a bigger audience for the university of michigan i i mean there's so many examples the the mozzie smith thing the University of Georgia is one of many universities, and no one's calling them, you know, Penn State circa the 70s when they were all buttoned up with Paterno and his big glasses. They have a policy, and many others do. You're arrested for a felony. I don't care what happened. I don't care what the explanation is. I don't care what mitigating circumstances there are. That is an auto suspension. Oh, it's a, it should be in a suspension. Not only was there not an auto suspension, Mozzie Smith is on tape at, at the bowl prep laughing about the idea that he would be punished. We played it on the show. He was like rolling his eyes. Ward Manuel releases a statement saying, oh, like, he's a good kid, all this shit. It's not even like, a, oh, we really, you know, weighed, this weighed on us heavily and we decided like, begrudgingly to give him another chance without any punishment whatsoever. Like, it was like, a, why the fuck would we punish him? Right. Uh, you he, can't, how is the University of Georgia more buttoned up than you are for all, for all this? Eastern Michigan. It, it, yeah, that's it's, another they one. They got arrested for that. Imani Bates and Mozzie Smith got arrested for essentially the same thing. Yeah, there one were, kid, I mean, one kid wasn't scratching off serial numbers, I, which I, apparently Imani didn't do that either. But I mean, someone scratched off serial numbers in the Imani case. It's a little bit, a little bit different. I, don't, I didn't even want to see Mozzie Smith raked over the coals. I, I thought that was overblown too. He had to be suspended for a uh, game. No, absolutely. A, I mean, in the a SEC. Fel- it's a, fennel, a felony charge i mean i don't care whether you think the law is right or not it's a felony charge and i don't know how you're not given a suspension for that and by One the way game. i i just don't know how he makes the team flight to indiana like he got arrested that day like or got brought into the station and somehow still is making the plane to indiana and just the whole thing so they handled it poorly and i think that there's been people in the media who've said that where where is the article raking and maybe it's out there i i didn't see it i would have loved to have read it where's the article taking in the task for that news free press where is it i i don't know i can't answer that i don't think it's out there and you've even did, said i like, mean did i mean did wojo write about it i don't know did neo i don't know i think, I think i'm not wojo saying it definitely it. wasn't i think wojo wrote about it well no, no there's a difference between writing about the fact that it happened and taking someone to task for that how are you how is the backwoods sec anything goes have a more uh, respectable, stringent guideline than you do. 
I'm sorry, you should the, the Georgia policy, and I just picked them, but that's sort of the standard. Uh, I, Most I just, universities, you're arrested, a felon brought on a felony charge, you're auto suspended. I, I don't just, care. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and it's that should have happened. I, I, I just don't know that you're correct, and nobody in the media said that. I, I just I don't believe that to be the case. I don't. I can't pinpoint an example, but I don't believe that to be the case. Where was the Where's the audio of Harbaugh getting? grilled on this at a press conference because that i know i didn't miss i would have caught that it though it doesn't exist mozzie smith is on camera mocking this whole thing he's laughing at it we played the tape on our show he's laughing about it i stumbled across that i was looking for video on something else i stumbled across that mozzie smith if, if a michigan state guy in the same exact situation was laughing it off and making a mockery of the whole thing. That would have been all over the place, in my opinion. There's no way I would be, even on Twitter, I can't believe Twitter didn't pick up on it. I don't know. Ben knows what I'm talking about. I can't, was it the, was it the Big Ten championship game prep or the bowl prep? Either way, it's, it's just, I'm sorry, like, there, there is a disparity in the intensity there. I, and there's no way to, there's no way for me to win or for you to win. There's no way. I, just, I guess proof. I just don't, I guess I can't tell you in a specific example where I think that somebody, in the media, I just, I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like there were people in the media that, that said he should have been suspended because it's obvious he should have been suspended. Like, I, I don't, I, I can't believe, I know that they were talking about that on the sports talk radio. I know there were people on there that said he should have been suspended. Yeah, not even, not even really just media. They're not media though. They're, I mean, they're, they technically by the, they're multimedia, they're on the umbrella, but I, that's not the kind of media. So you I'm want somebody to write it. I want a reporter. I want someone, you know, I mean, Wojo's a columnist, not right. a reporter, but he'd be fine too. Okay. Um, you know, I can't, I just, yeah, I can't answer and that. If it, I'm not, and that's the thing. It's like, it's no one is saying that this stuff is completely ignored. It has never appeared in print that he wasn't suspended. Obviously, that's a recitation of a fact. Like, right. I'm not saying it's like we're in Orwellian cover up mode, but it's the intensity, it, it's the, the ferocity with which these things are tackled. That's just one example of many where the intensity does not seem to be aligned. There was a lot more buzz about Mel Tucker's contract than there was the raid on Matt Weiss's house than there was on Mozzie Smith playing on a felony gun charge that would be an auto suspension. I don't care what Joe shit the ragman go blue 82, 84 says on I'm Twitter. I'm just going to disagree with you on the intensity of the Weiss coverage and the intensity. I, I don't agree with that. And the intensity of Robert Anderson, the news broke that story. Uh, about all the Robert Anderson stuff, and we we were on it. Now it didn't get the play nationally that it got, you know, on the Nasser stuff. But you know, it's not our responsibility to pump things up either. It's we broke the story and we stayed on it. Like I just don't think it, I just don't think the intensity argument really holds much water. Like I, I don't buy it. I really don't. No, I, I don't. You're, you're a smart guy. Now, I respect look, your opinion. I, I could, see it. Look, I see it differently. You know, and I and that's fine. I could tell you that. I've never been in, a, in an editor's meeting or a meeting at the news where we were, you know, talking about how, oh, that's that's eh, Michigan. We don't eh, <laughs> a big deal. You know, we don't need to go crazy or or boy, we got to go after Michigan State. You know, like news is news and we want to break news and we want, you know, the whole purpose of journalism and news newspapers is to tell people what they don't know. And we do that. We try our best to do that every single day, whether it's University of Michigan, Michigan State or four pro teams or whatever we're trying to do that so the perception can be what it is i honestly think that it gets a little blown out of proportion because there's just more michigan 
coverage in general. And a lot of it, yeah, is glowingly positive uh, on the basis of what the teams have done. Um, but I mean, look, look, you know, the whole Jawan Howard stuff, I don't think we gave him a pass over the incident at Wisconsin of the incident at Maryland. Uh, I don't believe that, you know, um, you know, we gave Izzo crap. Some people in the media did. I don't know if I really did, but some people did when he got in what's his name's face during the NCAA tournament and people went crazy about that. Um, but I don't think we went off on him any more than we went off on Juwan for slapping a Wisconsin assistant. So I just don't believe that as someone who's in there and just trying to report the truth. I just don't believe it. Yeah, fair. I mean, you're in the room. I, I, and I've never thought that there's some twisting of the mustache, there, there's or, absolutely like, evil plant like that's. And I do think there's people in the Michigan state fan base that go too far. And then it's like, you kind of undermine your own credibility where, okay, not everything is a blue wall conspiracy. And then it kind of sinks whatever credibility I think and some think there are to some of these points, but I don't well, there, know. There are, there are people, and I get your point because we get emails all the time. There are people that honestly believe that if the roles were reversed in Tunnelgate and Michigan was, you know, Michigan was the aggressors and Michigan state were the vic, quote unquote victims that we wouldn't have reported on it nearly as much. And that's just, it's just garbage. It's just not true. I can tell you that. 100%. Yeah, honestly, that was such a bad event. I don't know. And same with the Juwan Howard thing. I like, there's no way around we're that. Gonna, we're just going to report. We're going to do our best. We honestly try hard. And sometimes we don't do it perfectly. And, uh, you know, media is not perfect. No industry is. Uh, but I can honestly tell you that the people that work at the news and free press work very hard to, 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 to report the facts and, and whether, regardless of, of which organization which institution which university and the extent and extent of our coverage uh, is based on the the severity of a story i mean we're that we and, and the facts that we know sometimes we can't get facts you know that's a reality it's hard sometimes to get facts and it's easy for people to throw stones and say and say well i know what happened why didn't you print it well that's that's great if you know what happened then you tell us you know but you have to get things on the record and make sure you're printing what you, what is you believe the hundred percent truth. And sometimes it's not as easy as people that you know, like to throw stones, you know, in social media. Well, half of these people we're talking about unnamed are, you know, f friends of mine have been in, <laughs> have been in that chair before. So it, it's, you know, and notice how I don't like and, hate and notice how people. a lot of the, you know, and notice how a lot of the people that, you get your sources from or you get your news from your sources that talk to you yeah they also talk to you knowing what that i'm not going they're to not going to say it right wonder why those sources aren't talking to us because we want to print the truth you know and they don't want it to get out sometimes and so we do our best that's all i can say is we honestly do our best with as few resources as we've ever had in this industry we do our best every day to report the truth and be fair and i honestly believe we're way we're significantly more fair than a lot of people give us credit for, especially when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State. Speaking for myself, I want to see the Matt Weiss lawsuit in pursuit of that information. And I want to see the Matt Weiss uh, article calling for transparency. And how do we not know, what, three or four months into this, five months into this now? Five months? Yeah, because it was the end of December, right? Right. We're in June now. We're at least five months past this and we don't know. Even if you don't have the answer, Reporters are capable of writing an article saying, how do we not know what's going on here? That, that's fine. I'm not even saying you have to figure it out, but call for the 
transparency that that would suffice i would take that i don't know the ins and outs of what's going on i'm not familiar with that so we'll, we'll talk after yeah it's it's the dumbest i would thing i would, I would, I would assume that it's not done being reported on and i'm sure that it reporters haven't stopped inquiring i can that i can almost guarantee you well yeah fair enough i don't i i, I see your point i think it is overblown i kind of i'm taking the adversarial position because like we're disagreeing legitimately but I do think it's overblown. Like, I agree with you on that. I mean, Michigan State people think you hate Michigan State because you're reporting on the softball team, like just objective stuff. Like, I, I defended you on that like a hundred times. So, believe me, people can be irrational in the Michigan State fan base. I get it all the time. I get blamed when guys don't commit here to play football uh, over the most nonsensical reasons. So, believe me, people can be irrational. I know that. Tony, I love you. I appreciate you. Is that it? We've only been doing this two hours. You got your afternoon nap in, man. If it weren't for that, I would have got, got you out here earlier. I, got, I had my afternoon sushi and then my afternoon nap, which the sushi helps with the nap. So Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Man. Yeah, there's very good uh, sushi in Chicago, Michigan. It's been a tougher find here. It's Noblefish, Clausen. We'll have to talk about that. I need, I need, to, like, I have a that's, bunch of B minus. That's the place. Like, if, you ask any, if you ask anybody, Noble Fish and Clausen. Noble Fish Noble and Clausen. It used to be this heard. little tiny Japanese grocery store where they had sushi often at a counter. Now they've expanded. They bought the building next door, so now they actually have sit down. But it's the best in Metro Detroit. I'm gonna check it out. Noble Fish and Clausen. Free plug for if them. you guys. Anybody who's a huge sushi fan, they'll they've they've been there. Nobody has more B minus sushi than Oakland County. Like there's a ton of like okay, but there's not any great. But I haven't been yeah. there, so fair no, enough. Noble Fish is good. I'm gonna check it and out. Reasonably priced too. So you got a two game lead on Castellani, just like two games, twins. Chris. If you're watching. He's watching. He's he's, he's going to do back-to-back episodes just to catch up. He's me. boycotting me. He won't admit it. He refuses to do Twitter spaces anymore. Like he, He's, he's kind of like soft, you know, soft-pedaling this whole boycott of the Spear Avenue show. He denies it, but uh, I, I'm suspicious of that. Ben, love you. Great job as always. Ben posted a really uh, salacious picture on Twitter today. You got to go check that out, man. I was, even I was having second thoughts. Uh, what? Oh, we'll talk later. Eric Williamson in his boxers on his couch. Appreciate you. Spear Avenue Show, Tony Paul setting records. Two game lead over Chris. See ya.